Welcome to the Digital Brand Builder Podcast, where we bring you the best growth strategies from the world's experts to help build your business fast. And now, here's your host, Mark Fidelman. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Digital Brand Builder Podcast. Today, joining me is Peter Kanat, and we're going to talk about Amazon e-commerce. And this is uh, something that I revisited in the last year or so. I've, I consider uh, myself to be a, to have been an expert three or four years ago. Took a break as I was focused on other things, and now we're back, Peter. And we're back because of COVID and other reasons. But I think I'm back and, and here to stay, based on what I'm seeing. So, with that, uh, Peter, why don't you introduce yourself? Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Mark. Um, yeah, so basically, I've been running my own Amazon business for three years now, uh, and that consists of uh, two different companies. Uh, I've since branched out into one one specific company that I've been running. That's been live for about two years on Amazon, um, just basically creating products, scaling them, getting social proof, handling PPC, doing all the uh the customer service uh basically everything logistics so yeah we're about to break six million this year in our second live year so pretty excited um hoping to scale it even harder and i'm happy to uh, share some of my tactics with you excellent good well i always like scenarios i know my audience does so what i'm going to do is create a fictional product that i want to put on amazon and this fictional, and, and I don't know much, okay? I know I see a, a, a lot of sales on Amazon because I downloaded this plugin for Chrome and it told me that in my category, you know, a million dollars a month is being sold on my particular flower pot that I'm trying to sell, okay? Mm-hmm. So I have a collection of flower pots. I want to get them on Amazon. I want to sell them, but I don't know anything about it. What do I do day one? So what I like to do is um, I like to see what sets you sets you apart from your your competition. Uh, what am I offering the customer? What kind of value am I giving the customer? And I always go back to that in my mind. What's the value that I'm giving the customer? When you could figure that out, when you could give more than your competition, and you're going to do your market research and you're going to do you're going to check out your competition. What I like to do is basically funnel hack. I like to order my top three competitors' products. That's smart. Find out what they're doing, what kind of marketing they're doing after the customer gets gets their actual product. Figure out how you can offer more, not just in price points. Yeah, everyone could sit there and slash their prices, and it's just a race to the bottom, honestly. Um, and then your, your margins are getting cut. But for me, it's finding out where that pain point is for the customer. What am I giving them that my competition is not giving them? What kind of marketing strategy am I offering my customers once they have it in hand that my competition is not doing? Uh, That's going to be step one. Uh, For me in my business and in supplements, that's where I start. And then obviously there's, you know, packaging. How are you, how is the customer receiving it? Um, I like to give it to uh, a handful of my friends, family, just essentially not to order on Amazon, but just to kind of hand them the box or hand them the product and get their honest feedback. You want everyone's honest feedback. What what are you getting that the competition's not giving them? So 
what what extra are you actually giving to the customer? Um, and again, packaging, you know, how's it, how's it look? How's it arrive? Um, does, if in your case, the pot shake throughout the actual shipping process? Does it show up chipped, broken? How are you actually stabilizing the product within the actual packaging? Um, and then from there, you know, I go into uh, SEO strategy. That's huge. I know you, you know that very well. Uh, social proof, uh, PPC strategy, and then obviously listening to the customer. The voice of the customer is so huge to me. Um, yeah. You know, when I get feedback, I I take it like it. I take it at full value. So you're going to get people that are frustrated and are just angry people. We call them Karens. Um, <laughs> uh, but you have to, you know, if you're getting a specific group of people that's giving you a certain kind of feedback. You always want to listen. You want to be able to pull that information. Basically, if you get over, uh, you know, if you're getting roughly 20% of people complaining about one specific thing, then you obviously have something wrong with your product. So that comes down the road, but initially funnel hacking, finding out what you can offer that your, that your competition is not offering. Okay. So I, like the fact that you start this way because what happens when you funnel hack is you look at how a competitor's done it and presumably they've done some sort of optimization not always though so you have to be careful but they've done some sort of optimization to say hey this is this is working for us Uh, especially when i see some sort of a amazon uh feedback loop meaning hey review our product on amazon you know there's a postcard insert and we'll give you a discount. So then I know, you know, at least they know what they're doing. Uh, but some, sometimes they don't know what they're doing and it's probably not something you should emulate. But if you, if you try all your competitors or the top three or four, you're probably gonna have some idea of what's working and what you should at least emulate for now. But I'm, I'm big on, okay, let's emulate them, but then let's become better than them. So let, let's, go to second, let's go to the second phase. So I funnel hack. Uh, my products still aren't on uh, Amazon, but now I have a pretty good foundation for what my competitors are doing. So what do I do next? So generally, you're going to basically want to create some sort of insert or QR code that they can scan that leads them to a separate landing page, right? Your offer needs to be better than their offer. Um, maybe like, for instance, in your case, uh, are, are you packaging your pot with maybe like a mini shovel, something that complements the product? Uh, taking that one step further, you know, if you're once your customer receives the product and you're sending them to a landing page, if they are happy, obviously you want to, if they're happy, you're sending to the landing page. If they're, if they're not, you want to give them some sort of contact information to reach out to you and to have that open dialogue and discussion of why they're, they're not happy about the product that they receive. Um, at that point, uh, I would suggest in your case to give them even another complimenting product, maybe another set of seeds or a smaller pot, something that kind of falls in line with the actual product that they initially purchased from you. Once they get that, then you could kind of lead them down the funnel to, you know, hopefully get them to leave a positive review for you. Obviously you can't hold, can't twist anyone's arm. You can't, you know, say, Hey, if you leave me a five-star review, I'm going to give you this, but you just, giving that extra little bit, people generally appreciate that and they will go ahead and leave you a, a positive review. So- Doesn't if, it come down to margins as well, uh, yes. Peter? So 
I mean, you could give away the shovel, but maybe it's a cute little plastic shovel that costs you 20 cents that you sourced from China. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Is, uh, but you gotta, you got to watch margins because Amazon, depending on if you're doing you know, FBA or not, could be taking a big chunk out of your, your revenue. Absolutely. Yes. And for me, again, it goes back to that value. Yes, 100%. You need to have to, you need to watch your margins. But in, in what I've noticed, at least in my category, you're getting a roughly a three to 5% redemption rate on people coming to your landing page. But if you're doing that at scale, that's a significant yeah. amount of people coming and giving you their honest, hopefully positive feedback. If someone is coming to the funnel that is not happy, still happy to provide them that, that value, whether that be a sample of something or a full size bottle of something, uh, in my case being supplements. Uh, but I want to have that dialogue because I also am able to grab their, their email and I can have that conversation with them and I could do a lot with that email. So these tactics that I'm mentioning to you, these, these funnels, it's, it's borderline gray hat. I mean, it might be closer to the white hat, but it still can be, depending on how you use the verbiage within your funnel that you're driving them to, it's, you know, you're borderline there. So Yeah, so some so, so caution then, mm -hmm. and, and I just want to put an asterisk around what he was saying. It could be perfectly fine, but it's not. The, the rules within Amazon aren't really clear. I would just fall back to, are you doing something that's nefarious or are you doing something that you think is legitimately the right thing to do and, and kind of be guided by that, that, uh, that notion? Absolutely. Yeah. So again, jumping back to your initial point about, you know, margins, obviously you want to make sure that you're, you're well in your margins and it goes back to giving them value. So if you're, if you're giving them that extra bit of value, it doesn't, matter if you're even just a little bit more expensive than your than your competition. I wouldn't go obnoxiously expensive. I would stay within the 10 to 15% range if you are going to be a little bit more expensive, but you also need that social proof to even justify that price point. So for me, I knew in the first three months of me being live on Amazon that it was completely growth. I, I, I put aside the fact that, yeah, I might be, I'm not going to be losing money. I might be closer to break even, but I know if I put in the work and get the social proof on my products, that that's going to re, uh, relate to more profits down the line. So yeah. and we'll get just, into that. Yep. We'll, we'll definitely get into that. Uh, I just want to go sequentially. So all of that's great. Uh, still a lot of lot of work, but worth it long term. Is is Peter's going to illustrate in, in a second? But putting up your products and the and the verbiage on the actual listing, what what should people do uh, in terms of product imagery or videos or you know the copy that goes onto these listings? Everything's a story, right? You want to paint a picture. I used to create listings on Amazon, and I used to create them with so much detail, like going into each individual ingredient, people get burnt out by reading and they just don't do it that much. They want to see pretty pictures. You want to hit them with great bullet points, explaining what the product is and how it's going to benefit them. If you can hit them with problem solution, or you always want to kind of address the problem, even show that in a lifestyle photo. 
and then you know slap a rendering over the lifestyle photo showcasing your your product and your brand but like for me it it, it, it was personal at first because i suffer from gut health issues so i made products <laughs> selfishly around gut health, right? But I knew that there was millions of people out there that had the same issues that I had. But I want to paint that picture within the images, within the copy. You know, the copy is very important for SEO, uh, for SEO reasons. And you wanna be able to tell Amazon, hey, look at my product. Someone typed in uh, multivitamin for men or women or what, what have you. I offer a probiotic multivitamin. So that was my value that I, that extra value that I'm giving the customer, I'm taking two things and putting them in one. That's the SEO aspect, right? You wanna just tell Amazon like, hey, show my product to this person that's actually typing this into the search bar. Then when they get there, you wanna convert them, right? And yes, the, the, the copy still is very, very important there, but a lot of people ignore a lot of the copy. A lot of people are just looking at the pictures for the most part and looking at the social proof. So if you could paint a picture showing problem solution and that your product offers that solution to the actual customer, then you're on the right track. Okay, excellent. And what about the way you take photos or videos? Do you have any recommendations on the differences between the two? Should you use both, one? Absolutely. Um, so it, it all depends on where you are, you're at with your company, right? If you're bootstrapping this, then for sure, go ahead and, and just grab, go to Shutterstock, grab some you know stock images, and if you need to hire a graphic designer, start superimposing your product over those those uh, lifestyle photos, and that's the route you should go. But obviously, always address the issue and the the solution that you're offering through those those lifestyles. So what I what I like to do is actually grab a lifestyle, or even now we take lifestyle photos, um, slap a rendering of the product over it, and go to town on how this product is actually going to help you. As you grow, you can start creating, doing photo shoots, doing some videos. You can slap videos onto your actual listings, not only in that those main images, those bullet images at, in the beginning, but once you get enhanced brand content, that comes along with having a trademark. You can start adding uh, review videos down at the bottom, uh, some more great imagery down at the bottom, and you can actually SEO those images. You could get them those images to start ranking on their own right. So a trademark is quite important, but yes, to answer your question, a video, videos, uh, your own lifestyles, uh, people actually using the product because you want to show that to the customer as well because that kind of gets them like thinking like, oh, this product is for me. And those lifestyles also, if you're shooting them yourself or even if you're grabbing them from Shutterstock, you should know your demographic, right? So you want to relay that this product is going to help your specific demographic and those lifestyle photos should have that demographic within them right so if you have a uh if your demographic is mid-30s female you want to make sure that your lifestyle photos are consistent with that type of person okay excellent um let's see if i were going to put up multiple products maybe it's different pots, different designs, do I keep them on the same listing or do I put them on additional listings? Um, well, you want to be careful with that because that could be variation abuse. If, if they are, you know, if you're, if you're offering, let's say uh, a shovel and a pot that 
could be misconstrued as variation abuse in Amazon's eyes because they're kind of two of the two separate things. You want to make sure that that variation is either a color or for your case, uh, like a different same pot, but different seeds. Um, so you're basically you're growing a different kind of plant. Uh, so make sure that, you know, you're you're checking out uh, the guidelines and you're not doing any kind of variation abuse because they're in the past years ago, people would just merge different SKUs that had nothing to do with one another. But what happens when you merge SKUs is that your reviews show up as an aggregate. So you're taking, you know, 600 reviews from this product and I'm going to go ahead and take 300 reviews from this product and I'm going to create a listing with a parent and a child and it's going to merge both of them. Uh, it doesn't matter which one the parent is, doesn't matter which one the child is, but they're basically become the same the same listing, but you have a variation on that listing. So it merges all the reviews together. So just be careful with that. I, I think that yes, if you can make it easier on the customer to come to your listing and, and purchase, you know, two different kinds of pots that are going to give you two different kinds of plants, then yes, I definitely wholeheartedly agree that you should do that. Okay. All right. That's good. Good feedback. Okay. So let's get into it. It's up. It's listed. You've got no reviews. You've got no traffic. You've got no SEO value yet. I mean, maybe you optimize your listing to have Amazon SEO, uh, you know, value, but nothing's there. What, what do they do day two after they put all that stuff up? Well, you need to just go after social proof one way or another. So you can't start scaling and running ads without, uh, without the social proof. So if you could, you know, uh, Amazon has an early reviewer program. If you could somehow just get up to 10 reviews, you could confidently, 10 is on the lower side. Ideally, you'd like to be closer to the 20, 30 range before you start running your ads. Once you get to that point, you allow the funnel to work on its own. The funnel that we discussed a little bit earlier when you're creating that separate landing page. Um, at that point, you're going to start registering in Amazon's eyes as your, your BSR, your bestseller rating ranking goes down, which means your sales start going up. And now Amazon's showcasing your product to more customers. At that point, it's just kind of steamrolls. Uh, the, the flywheel starts, starts going and then you start seeing an increase in sales day over day, week over week, month over month. And then as you show growth to Amazon, say Amazon looks, is looking at your listing like, oh, wow. This listing did 10 units on day, you know, six of PPC and did, you know, is up to doing 30 units a day you know, a month later. So as long as you're showing growth, then you're you're going to be showcased to more people and your funnel is going to go to work. It all just kind of steamrolls together. But that first few, those first few reviews is essential to get that actual flywheel to start start moving and moving in your favor. Um, so, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what do you have? Friends and family buy it or is Amazon that smart to know it's friends no. and family? I would, how do you get? Sorry. No? Yeah. I wouldn't touch that. Uh, Amazon is way too smart. They're smarter than all of us. Everyone thinks they could, you know, be sneaky and, and do some kind of shady things. I wouldn't touch that. Amazon knows uh, who you're connected to and that's via IP tracing. Uh, basically if you've shared it in kind of Wi-Fi with anyone and within the network that you're going after, they'll know and they'll scrape them and they'll send you suspensions, uh, suspension notices. 
um, and eventually you can get yourself suspended. So I suggest not going that route. If you do decide to go that route, I'd make sure that they are as far away from you as possible so that it does not trigger any red flags in their eyes. Okay. So how do you get uh, your first initial reviews if you're not able to be found? I, I guess if you had an email list or you could start advertising on Facebook and just sending them to your if you Amazon have, page, that would be one. Sure. Sorry to interrupt. But yeah, if you have an existing email list, then 100% I would try to go after them because those people aren't, you're not connected. Normally, you're not connected to them in any kind of way. Like you haven't shared a Wi-Fi with them. So Amazon can create a tree based upon your contacts. But when you have the sellers app on your phone, they could, they could see how far off someone is from you. A friend of a friend of a friend. They know. So you want to make sure that they are in no way, shape or form connected back to you. Uh, so, yeah, I, th I think, you know, the, er the Amazon early reviewer program can help. Uh, but the email list, if you were able to grab a handful of emails or a decent amount of emails from whether it be your site or what, you know, something that you've done in the past, people that are familiar with your brand, um, and that goes into, you know, if you're actually already a, an existing brand, if you have that email list, you want to try to get them to start converting on Amazon. Um, but I would be very careful with the verbiage that you use. Want to make sure that you're always, you're not asking for a positive, but you might leave a little bit of a cue in there. Like for instance, we've, we've hope we've, we hope we've earned your five-star review, you know, that little subtlety right there can help push someone towards leaving a positive review. You never want to ask for it, but you know, there are different marketing tactics and strategies that you could, that you could try. And I would suggest testing different, uh, different copy within your actual email blasts. Okay. All right. That's great. Uh, great ideas, but it is important to get to what about 20 reviews before you start advertising. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the more, the better, uh, obviously 20, yeah, 10 is like the, the low point 20 is more of a comfortable spot to where you're converting. Cause if you're running ads and you're not converting and it's all depends on the category. And if your top end competition has 10 K plus reviews and you have 20 reviews, you really are going to need to stand out one way or another in the beginning to kind of steal those, those purchases from those, those big boys. Um, yeah. What, what is that offer? And that goes back to you, to the initial discussion of value. You know, what are you offering them now? This could come, what are you offering them? That's different than your competition. This could come back to, you know, maybe a lower price point during launch that first, those first two to three months are pivotal. You kind of want to ignore profit margins there and you just essentially are going after rank. So what are you doing to get them to convert on your listing as opposed to that, to that group of you know, heavy hitters that have all those, those great, great reviews? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Okay. So now what's the next step to start driving traffic? Is it just about pay to play with Amazon? Um, when does SEO, Amazon SEO kick in? How do you get on the first page of the search results? I'm throwing a lot at you, but I figure you could answer them all at once. Sure. Uh, SEO is pivotal right at the beginning. Um, 
I used to write my own copy. Uh, I've gotten so busy that I can no longer do it. So I have a team of copywriters that actually pumps it out. And they used to, uh, some of them actually used to work at Amazon. So they understand the algo a little bit better. Um, so they'll string together a specific set of words that they know will trigger the algo just to kind of like say, Hey, Amazon, we're launched. We're here. If someone's typing this into the search bar, we want to, you know, we know that we are, we're not going to be on page one right away. We just want to be close to it at least. Right. So then when people start converting, so SEO works a little bit differently on Google than it does on Amazon. So when people start converting on your listing via a specific search term and you hope that they're converting on your on your listing via a search term that's quite popular and the more you get of, of those actual purchases then the more amazon's gonna take your listing seriously and the more they're gonna grow you, you in organic rank so not only is seo is, is uh is quite important but you also need to have the ppc to fall in line with that so you want to be showcasing your product in the beginning. You are, your organic rank is honestly going to be shit. Like you're not going to be anywhere near the top. So the PPC is quite important in the beginning. So I also like to go very aggressive with my bid strategy. So I want people purchasing on my listing via top end search terms, search terms that have high volume. And I use a couple of different tools. Helium 10 Cerebro is actually really good with this is in pulling search volume on a monthly basis on specific search terms and keywords. Um, so I'll, I'll be calculated with my, my bid strategy and my actual keyword research using a tool such as Cerebro from Helium 10 that allows me to pull, pull those actual keywords. So I'll go after the heavy search volume keywords as much as I can without going in the red and understanding that those first three months are, are pivotal for me to rank. So once I start gaining organic rank, people start converting on your, on your sponsored ads, then your organic rank is gonna, going to start outweighing your, your PPC slot. So wherever you're, you're slotted for you know, uh, uh, indoor plant or indoor pot, I'm not sure what your specific search term would be for that product that you mentioned earlier, but your organic rank is going to be out, outflanking your PPC rank. Then you start eventually peeling back because this is a business and we need to be profitable. You start peeling back your PPC bid and you're going to be dropping that, but you don't want to drop it to where you're just, your sponsored ad is no longer showcasing. You still want to be present. If your organic list, organic showing of your, of your listing and your PPC showing of your listing are on both on page one, that's great because you're giving the customer two impressions. You might eventually your organic rank might be the first line of page one. People might scroll by that, but they might see it three rows down. You've hit them with two impressions. So that's great. Like you always want to try to have both of them kind of close by if you can. Sometimes it's difficult depending on you know your sales and where you're actually ranking at that moment but the more impressions you give the more sales you're going to get uh and you always want to keep your your conversion rate high uh a lot of my products are over 50 percent conversion rate so half the people that see my product convert but that also goes into a good looking listing good looking images telling a story uh social proof um so yeah does that answer excellent your 
Definitely. Definitely answer the question. All right. I mean, I know we could go on and on with this. Uh, anything else about driving traffic to a listing? Uh, I love the fact you got a 50% conversion rate and, and what factors go into that. But anything else about driving traffic to a listing after your first 20 reviews? Absolutely. So um, the algo these days is now weighing out external traffic a lot higher than it used to. So if you can offer something and, and you know, create some cool content like a, like a video ad that you could put on Facebook, on YouTube, Google, if you have uh, any kind of influencers that you can actually pump the product to. So a, a big boost for us is that unbeknownst to us that a, a massive influencer talked about our product on, in his YouTube channel. And that skyrocketed our sales. That, I mean, we were doing well, but this really pushed us. So the more you can drive, and, and he was doing that without a link. So wow. it wasn't like, you know, Amazon sees the traffic coming from this person's Instagram or YouTube, and he posted it on both YouTube and Instagram. Uh, we just saw the, the rank skyrocket after he posted it, and just our search term volume, our impressions grew significantly. But if you can get someone to actually link the product, your Amazon listing to their post, wow, that's like gangbusters. Like you're hitting it from every single angle. So not only do you have SEO going, PPC going, you have a good looking, um, good looking listing. You're having external traffic driving to the algorithm. And the algo is now like, okay, he's taking traffic from Facebook and bringing it to Amazon. And he's creating more money for Amazon. Amazon's gonna start boosting you up organically. So if you could create any kind of external traffic that leads back to your Amazon listing, beautiful. Great. Okay. I mean, that's a lot of different content ideas that uh, have their own shows that I could do on each of those. But for the most part, take a, you, you could go back and see what I recommend you do for YouTube. These are previous episodes. I'll put them in the show notes. Okay, Peter. So let's talk about post sales. You know, I don't know if you, if this is a gray area or a white hat area, but you know, you talk about Amazon funnels or email funnels or review funnels. I mean, there's all sorts of names for it. What do you recommend people do once the customers start purchasing product from you from Amazon? Well, it's just it's just a matter of the kind of verbiage that you that you put onto either your insert, your exterior sticker, and onto your actual funnel. Uh, you always kind of want to again going back to you know, cues where you hope that they leave you, you know, we hope we've earned your five-star review and just making sure that you're never ever telling people, we will give you this for a positive review. We will give you an extra pot or we will give you a shovel or whatever it is that you're offering them for that positive review. Never hold their hands and never, you know, twist their arms to do that. Um, that's so important. And I can't stress that enough uh, if you are doing something where you're, you know, being a little bit on the more aggressive side, you're entering gray, black hat territory. You want to be as compliant as possible. Um, so it's just a matter of the verbiage that you choose to use. Um, I am very polite. Uh, we don't, your review level one to five stars is not indicative of you getting this product or this complimentary product, whatever you're offering them through your funnel. So I can't stress that enough. Okay. So 
I understand. If if you do get a one to three star review, though, is there any way that you can reverse it with someone, or is it impossible to reach out to them and contact them if you don't know who they are? I mean, it all depends if you have their contact at that point. If you're getting one to three stars, then um, you know you're going to be dealing with that a lot on Amazon, uh, whether it be from competition or legitimately disgruntled uh, customers. Uh, if you have their contact. I mean, I, I personally don't, if I get it, I eat it. I know that my positives will far outweigh the negatives that I get. And you know, you're, you're never going to please everyone. Uh, so you, the negatives will come, but you want to just try to far exceed the negatives with positives. Um, I don't, I personally don't reach out to them and cause that could be, you know, again, review, um, viewed as manipulation. Uh, so I, I just, bury it. it it upsets me it irks me uh you know bothers me for a minute or two but i go on like i go about my day and i keep on trying to you know do my best to get those positives and i know the positives will outweigh the negatives but if you yeah. do if you do decide to go down that route i'd suggest again proper verbiage or not even talking about the review in itself like hey you know hey so and so customer we we see that you know, you weren't happy with our product. Um, you know, is there anything that we could do to, you know, change your mind and hopefully you know, win you back as a customer? I wouldn't even talk about the actual review in itself. Um, at that point, you're gaining the customer's trust. The dialogue is open. Uh, if they feel comfortable with you, they'll continue on the conversation. Sometimes they'll even vent further into you via the email, uh, through the email. So as long as, you know, you're hearing them out, your understanding of their concerns, you're addressing the concerns, not only with them, but if this is a consistent negative feedback, this, you know, the type of review that that specific person left, if, if you're seeing that happen more often than not, it's time that you look at your product and your listing again and seeing there's a way that you could fix it so that you could stop it from happening again. Okay. I mean, that that's, that's all good information. Uh, but you know, what's particularly irksome is when you, know, you get somebody, let's say your pot is chartreuse. And uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a, a shade of green. And, um, you know, their, their monitor is from 1994. So it doesn't show the proper, you know, green. And then they order it. And they, they give you a one star because they say, Oh, it's not the shade of green. I saw on my, my, uh, my computer screen, you know, that, that type of review those are particularly irksome and the fact that you can't uh call them up and, and kind of walk them through hey you know if you want a different color green we'll certainly send you one but i i mean i i understand uh both sides of this all right so it's tough just to add one more thing to that it, i get yeah. it. it's it's a bitter pill to swallow uh, it's even gotten a little bit rougher recently as you used to be able to comment on a review, say, you know, as the voice of the, the company saying, hi, you know, so-and-so, uh, we're sorry that you, know, you had a negative experience with our products. Uh, please reach out to us. And you used to be able to put your, um, your seller's profile uh, message platform link in there. Uh, it wouldn't embed as a link but it's not like the customer can click on it and it would take you to a conversation, but the customer could copy and paste it into their search, into their browser and, and open up the dialogue with you. 
uh, Amazon is no longer allowing you to even leave comments on reviews anymore. So it's, it's tough. I get it. It's just, again, if it's, if it's a consistent issue, I'd try to maybe even address it in the Pantone color that you choose, maybe trying to get it more accurate to the physical product. And I know that you're talking about someone that's using a, uh, a monitor from 1996 or whatever it was. 1994. 1994. <laughs> it's, uh, there's not much you could do about it. It's just right. tough. You just have to just keep on plugging away and get those positives outweigh the negatives. But again, if it is something that's happening more consistently, then you need to Fix adjust. It. And make that to me is legit. That's mm-hmm. legit. You know, if everyone's complaining, it's not green, it's blue. Uh, and it's not, and if it's not, you know, a dress, where everyone's arguing over black, you know, green or blue or whatever it was, uh, then yeah, you, you've got to change it. You got to fix it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. My last question, uh, revolves around Amazon alternatives. If, if you're like me and you don't like dealing with monopolies because monopolies become corrupt over time. And certainly Amazon uh, can do that or, uh, will do that to you in the future. You mark my words. So what, is your, what are your thoughts on Walmart's new solution? Uh, and they purchased Jet. And I think you and I did an analysis and they're like 20% of the traffic of Amazon, but 20% of the traffic of Amazon is still really good. So what are your thoughts on people listing on both Amazon and Walmart? You, yes. Uh, the more places you can list, the better, honestly. Uh, and if you could get onto walmart.com and you could be successful on walmart.com, then it opens the doors for Walmart stores, physical stores. So I had a close friend that got into walmart.com and he absolutely crushed it. And a representative from Walmart reached out to him saying, Hey, would you like to be in Walmart? He's like, uh, yeah, (laughs) sign me up. Uh, so there's that angle of it on just a Walmart perspective, right? So the more impressions you can give a person, you know, people might be, you know, searching for the best price out there and they might go to walmart.com. They might go to amazon.com just to give the two you know, biggest hitters out there. But there are so many others. iherb.com is an, an unknown uh, spot to, to, to list your products. Um, you know, eventually getting into retail, the more impressions you can give someone, the more they're going to be like, huh, I've seen that before. I've seen that on a TV ad. I've seen that on a billboard. I saw it on mark.com. I saw it on amazon.com. You know, you're, you're now growing your brand. You're growing your reach. You know, uh, I, for, I forgot the rule of thumb I, of what it was before an actual person converts. It was like uh, five or six impressions before the uh, customer actually converts on your listing. Um, but the more you can show them, the better. You can get into retail and then you know, gangbusters, you start moving pallets instead of, you know, boxes. Excellent. All right, cool. Well, we're going to wrap things up and um, I want everyone to know where, where can they reach you? Uh, our site is gobiotics.com. That's G O B I O T I X. Sounds like probiotics, but it's gobiotics. Um, uh, we're on Amazon. You can reach, reach out to us there. You can, you can email me, uh, info at gobiotics.com or my personal is peter at gobiotics.com. I personally field customer service emails all day too. So I, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on things through our customer service portal and obviously through my own personal. But yeah, we're on Amazon, we're on walmart.com. Uh, we're soon to be in retail. Um, we're all over the place. 
Excellent. Thank you so much, Peter. And uh, I look forward to um, uh, talking to you later. Maybe we can do another one on Walmart. That would be pretty fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'd be happy to be on. Thank you for having me.